My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos. It is so very nice to be with you all tonight. Uh, I tell you what, uh, COVID and this pandemic, it really kind of stinks, but it's pretty cool to meet out here in the park, is it not? I guess it's pretty cool. Like, should we just do this every now and then anyway when the world goes back to normal? Can I get it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, here's the thing. We don't, uh, we, like, we don't really have, like, sometimes the best uh, planning, and tonight we didn't plan to, like, have a photographer and and I was sitting over there, I'm like, man, this looks so cool. And I don't have my phone with me. So here's what I would love for you to do. Whether you are here in the park with us, if you're watching online, if you're joining us in Iowa City through uh, the stream, I would love for you to take your phone out and just take a picture of something here tonight. Take a picture of with your group. Just go ahead and do it like right now. Go for it. Take a selfie with your group. Um, take a picture of this environment, the atmosphere. It's such a cool place. And here's my shameless plug. You ready for this? Go ahead and post that tonight. I'm not saying post that just because we want to be super popular, but post it on your story or something um, so that people know like, hey, this is a space where somebody could come and be with people in a safe way, wearing masks and distant and all that stuff. We'd really appreciate that. Um, so whether you're here in the park or watching online, that is so very good. Now I did this last week and it worked out pretty well. So I'm gonna ask you to do it again. I got lights kind of shining in my eyes and I can't really see you very well. So if you have a lot of battery left on your phone and you're willing, would you mind just turning the flashlight on your phone so I just know that humans are out there? Oh, you're here. Praise the Lord. That's so good. Uh, you are here. Oh, that's awesome. And it, like, just leave those out for as long as you want. I mean, just leave them out. And I, I, would, I would so appreciate it. Now, maybe you want to take shifts with your neighbor and make sure that, uh, that somebody can have the light on the entire time. This, oh my goodness, this is so much easier to see you. That's wonderful. Um, it's so good to be here. I'm glad you're here in the park. I want to say hi to our friends who are in Iowa City. Uh, on the count of three, everybody say, hey, Iowa City. One, two, three. That is so very nice. I also want to say hi to our friends playing tennis over there. We love you, and we're so glad that you're here. On the count of three, everybody say hi, tennis players. One, two, three. All right, I don't know if they noticed us, but I just wanted to do that since the first time we were here. Uh, we're in a series. It's called Faith Actually. This is the last week of our Faith Actually series. We're asking the difference. Does faith actually make a difference in my life? What does faith actually look like? For that polar bear in the opening scene, um, life went off script, and it started to hurt because of that. That particular commercial is close to my heart because uh, the church that I uh, interned for when I was in seminary was like right down the street from that car dealership uh, in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Any Minnesota people out there tonight? Any White Bear Lake people out there tonight? You know where that is, right on. That's awesome. Hey, Minnesota friends, we love you so much and we're just really glad that you're here um, and that you've made the trek down from the North Tundra. Uh, but hey, uh, life went off script for that polar bear really quick. Has life ever gone off script for you? And has life ever hurt because it goes off script? So I was not really necessarily in theater or anything growing up, but every single year I did get a script. It was around Christmas time. At Lutheran Church of Hope, we've got a live manger scene every single year at our Christmas Eve services. And growing up, because I'm the pastor's kid, uh, I was always in the manger scene. On the next screen here, we've got a picture of what the manger scene usually looks like. It's nice and beautiful. Second to the right, that's me wearing the headdress and everything, feeling. But you know, I tell you what, it is just fun. And every single year, we show up to the rehearsal the day before. I know it's such a complicated part, but we get a script, right? And we walk through it, and we then hope that the service will go according to the script, according to the plan. Well, this particular Christmas Eve, things did not go according to plan. 
We've all got our scripts. We look at it. We're like, okay, we're good to go. My part's super easy. I go out there and I stand. But my friend Dustin is standing next to me. I grew up with Dustin, been friends for a long time. I did his wedding uh, like a couple of years ago now. And so I've been around Dustin for a long time. If you go to the next screen, you can zoom in and see that every single person has a candlelight. Even Mary right that right down there played by my sister. It was always awkward then when I had to play Joseph, but you know try to move on from that. There's baby Jesus, sometimes real, sometimes a doll. You never know. But if you see a fist sticking up, you know that that baby's praising the Lord. But we've all got these candles. And if you notice that Dustin does not have a candle, instead, Dustin is holding a baby lamb. And uh, the baby lamb uh, was small enough to where Dustin could hold, hold him in one arm. And Dustin, at most services, was holding a candle in the other hand. Except for there was a problem. You see, we're all standing up there and we're in place and we're going according to the script. Everything is going as planned, but then during silent night, as we all light our candles, all of a sudden we start to hear this, ah! and it's the lamb. It's just a lot, just louder. Ah! I mean, this lamb is freaking out. And I'm like, well, the lamb wants to praise the Lord. This is good. You know, like all, all hail King Jesus coming into the world. Um, but then I start to realize that there's like almost like an illumination coming out of the right side, uh, out of my right eye. I'm like, what in the world is this? And the, the, the lamb is just more and more, ah! I mean, really scared at this point. Ah! And I turn over and Dustin's trying to calm the lamb down. But what he doesn't realize is the reason why the lamb is freaking out is because Dustin has lit his headdress on fire. And it's, it's illuminating. And it's getting brighter and brighter. And I'm, I mean, I'm going according to scripts. I'm like, Dustin, I mean, now there is, this is a manger scene. There's hay everywhere. This is already going off of script. I mean, this is about to go way off script. Merry Christmas, the church burnt down. And the only one who got out was the little lamb. Ah! So I mean, we all froze in fear. The thing went off script. Life started to burn in front of our very eyes. And we were afraid that we were going to get hurt. And all of us froze, except for Dustin, once he realizes what's happening, he takes the baby lamb and holds it as far over as he can. He rips his headdress off and in front of thousands of people at Hope in West Des Moines, he throws the headdress on the ground and just silent night, holy night. You got your candles, right? All is calm, all is bright and everything apparently got back on script. But for a moment there, it got way off. What do you do when life goes way off script. When life starts to burn you, when life starts to hurt you, there are a lot of people in the world right now who are hurting. And I want to conclude our Faith Actually series tonight to ask that question. What do you do? How do you keep your faith when life hurts? There are a lot of people hurting in the world right now. During this pandemic, we have seen a lot of pain, physical pain, but there's also a lot of emotional and psychological pain that's happening right now. Because life has gone off script. Um, I read this week that uh, emergency hotlines for people in emotional distress, their traffic has increased by a thousand percent since the beginning of the pandemic. A thousand percent. It's more common than you know. Over half of United States Americans have reported, according to the surveys, that the pandemic is affecting their mental health in one way or another. It's hurting. 40% of Americans say that right now they are either, me either, either mentally ill uh, or dealing with a mental illness or uh, dealing with substance abuse. 40%. Uh, 
Um, I read that, uh, that uh, the ser- the, on search engine websites, problems that we have is we don't have 65% more therapists to help a lot of people who are hurting. People are hurting very badly right now. I mean, this goes on top of just the regular stress for you all being a college student trying to navigate your way through life. Maybe for you, you're like, honestly, I have enough going on in my life right now. Like COVID, the pandemic is like bottom of the list. I got enough. Enough of my life is going off script. Enough of my life is hurting because of this. People hurt. People are in pain. I want to tell you this. You do not have to put that away when you come to this place. You do not have to put that away when you go in front of God. Your pain is safe with God. Pain is all over the Bible. People cry out to God. God wants to hear about your pain. It says this in Psalm uh, chapter 30, excuse me, in Psalm chapter 39. Did you know this is in the Bible? Leave me alone so I can smile again before I'm gone and exist no more. What sorrow, what pain drove this author to say this? In Lamentations chapter three, this is really dark. He has made me chew on gravel. This is talking about God. And this is in the Bible. The author writes, he has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Pain is real. Pain shows up in the Bible. And your pain is safe with God so much that there are scripts for it in the Bible. It's also found in Matthew chapter 11, which we read for tonight. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is dealing with some pain. This isn't just some ordinary guy. This is John the Baptist. This is the guy who saw Jesus coming from ways away. And, 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 Jesus, and, excuse me, and John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, look, behold, it's the Lamb of God. He names Jesus as God, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who's come to save God's people before anybody else saw it. I mean, John had this close connection with God. Enough of a connection with God to where when he saw God face to face and nobody else recognized him, John did. But John's now hurting because he's in prison. See, John was hated uh, by, by enough people to get imprisoned, and they wanted to keep him quiet. And he knew that if he kept on talking, which he was going to do, and he had done enough talking up to this point, his path was leading toward death. And so John is at a crossroads. He has to make a decision. I'm hurting. Life has gone completely off script. I thought that this was my calling, to prepare the way for the Lord, for goodness sakes. But this was not according to my plan. And so John the Baptist is in so much pain that John starts to doubt. John starts to doubt. And what does this tell us about the pain in our life and about the doubt that it oftentimes makes us feel? It means that doubt is not a moral defect. Doubt is not a spiritual defect. Doubt is normal. And God knows how we talk when we're desperate. God knows how we behave when we are freaking out. And so John says, uh, after John had heard about the things that the Messiah, Jesus, was doing, Jesus is performing miracles and he's healing people and seems to be going very well for a lot of people, but not for John. He's in prison. So John sends his followers to ask Jesus, are you the one we've been expecting or should we just keep looking for someone else? I need to know. I need to know if you're the one because this is way off script and I'm hurting very bad. And if you're not the one who can save me, I gotta know now. 
John wants to know so badly that where John is being held and where Jesus is when he hears this, John's followers have probably crossed river, sea, and walked a hundred miles just to get Jesus to ask. That's the kind of pain that John is in right now. He's like, I don't know how to hold on to my faith when life hurts this bad. John the Baptist is saying that. I've felt it. Have you felt it? That kind of pain where nothing seems to come naturally but tears? The Bible has a thing to say about tears too. It says this in Psalm, in the book of Psalms, verse one in your book. God has kept track of every single one of your hurts in your life. The hurts that have been done to you, the hurts that you've done to others, the hurts you have done to yourself. God is keeping track of every single one of them and he cares enough to record them. He will not let your pain go to waste. How precious is that of God? He collects every single one of your tears. I think that's beautiful. You know, it's funny. Um, sometimes in life, we have these moments where we're hurting so bad and it leads to this kind of pain. Life is off script. And so then we start to doubt and we start to worry and we think, well, man, you know, I don't know. The last person I could talk to about that is God because if I'm doubting God, why would I talk to God about that? If you have doubts about me, I, I hope you take them to me. If I have doubts about you, I, I hope that I'll take them to you. John is doubting, John is hurting, but John takes the first right step. He takes his doubts to God. Take your doubts to God. See what God has to say about your doubts. See what God has to say about your pain. See how God can restore your faith when life hurts. Jesus doesn't rebuke John. Jesus responds to John with love. It says this in Matthew chapter 11. We're back in our Bible reading for the night. Jesus told them, John's followers, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. In another passage, it tells us that Jesus immediately starts to heal people. It says this, Jesus told them, go back and tell John uh, what you've heard and what you've seen. In Luke chapter seven, it tells us that at that very time, Jesus cured many people. It's like, John asks Jesus, well, hey, are you the one? And then it tells us that Jesus, excuse me, Jesus tells John to go back to, Jesus tells John's followers to go back to John, excuse me. And he says, go ahead and tell him what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And I know if we just read that in Matthew chapter 11 for the first time, maybe we're like, oh, I don't know, maybe Jesus is telling John, hey, well, this has happened before. Now, Jesus comes face to face with John's doubt and he says, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I'm all about. And in Luke chapter seven, where it's covering this exact same story, it tells us at that very time, Jesus just starts going around. He says, you want to see if I'm God? You want to see if I'm God? People who are sick are healed. People who can't talk are speaking. People who are hurting, good news is being preached to them. Dead people are rising from the dead. Jesus is just like on a mission here right now. You get sight, you get hearing, you get life. He says, go back and tell him what you've seen. And John will know what that means. See, John, he knew his Bible very, very well. John would have known what it said in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, it says this, it's talking about the Messiah who's coming. John is saying, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? John's telling people for his entire ministry, Jesus is the one. But now John's having to ask, are you the one? And Jesus says, do you see all these things that I'm doing? Don't you remember what was prophesied about the one? 
And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind, unplug ears to the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. That's Isaiah chapter 35. It says this in Isaiah chapter 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Does that sound familiar to what Jesus had just said? John, do you see what I'm doing? I am the one and you can know it because you can see what's been happening. And John, I know that right now it hurts so bad but I am keeping true to my promises. And John, if I'm keeping true to my promises here, and if I really am God, you can trust that I will keep my promises true to you too. And that brings us comfort. And at the same time, maybe it makes us push back a little bit because it's like, well, God, do you favor other people over me? Because sometimes it feels like you're healing everybody else, but me, I'm hurting still. Are you the one? Because I need to know. Relationships get to this point, don't they? I mean, relationships get to the point where you have to ask the person in front of you, are you the one? Are, are you really the one? Because if you're not, it's time for me to go back, to take another way. I read uh, this week as well that over 60% of college students say that on their top list of reasons why they go to college, it's to find a spouse. And so if you're here tonight and you think you're weird because of that, look around you. 60% of people around you think the exact same thing. They just don't want to say it. Are you the one? Who's the one? The one who's going to come and make everything okay. You see, when John told people, the one is here, he was talking about the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Bible word. It's a fancy word for deliverer. And this Messiah, the one was supposed to come. It was going to save people from oppression. Jesus is saying, see, I'm doing that. I'm comforting those who are hurting. And John's like, well, hey, I'm over here and I'm hurting and, I, and I'm not feeling a whole lot of comfort right now. See, for John, the one, was the, the one was Jesus and Jesus was supposed to be the one who came and made everything okay. And maybe for you, you're like, okay, I'm not so shallow. I don't need a person in my life. I got my own dreams and ambitions. So for me, it's, you know, a GPA, it's a career, it's a dream. We messiahify all sorts of things. We make all sorts of things the one in our life that thing that's going to make it okay? And John is asking Jesus, are you the thing that's going to make it okay? Because right now, life is crashing before my very eyes. Life was supposed to go to according to a certain script, and now it's falling apart. All of my work is just breaking before me. What is happening? What's happening? You ever held on to something for so long and then just in an instant it's gone? I was moving recently. Um, I got married recently and so I was moving out of my old apartment. Um, and in the process of moving, I, I was getting rid of a lot of things. And that while I had been living at this apartment in the past, oftentimes people would take their possessions, they would take it down to the dumpster, they wouldn't put it in the dumpster, instead they would set it by the dumpster and then it would disappear. But it would always disappear on a day when the garbage didn't come. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, well, these are things that are just being taken by somebody who needs it. I'm like, that's nice. And so as I'm moving out, I have all sorts of things that I want to get rid of, right? And so I see things that have actually been in my family for a long time because I don't have a lot of interior decoration skills at all. And so I had been borrowing a lot of things from my parents. And I'm like, hey, do you guys want this back? They're like, no, we gave it to you because we really don't like it. And so I kind of had it hanging around for a while. And I thought, okay... This is not going to have space, you know, with, with where Abby and I were going to move. And, and Abby's not going to like this. So I'm like, okay, well, this, this, this coffee table has been in my family for 20 years. It's time for me to 
give my trash and make it somebody else's treasure. So I take it down to the garbage dump and I set it outside of the dumpster. And then I go upstairs and I see, I see this glass picture frame that I remember seeing in my parents' house when I was like one. Okay, I didn't remember that. But you know what I mean? I don't remember not seeing it. So I take it down. It's this beautiful, majestic image of mountains. And it's, it's framed in like this glass uh, uh, picture frame. And I take it down and I set it outside the dumpster. And I'm like, someone's just going to love this. This is my plan for it. Wow. I just love the Lord and the Lord will bless others through me. This is what I thought was happening, right? This is what I thought the script was supposed to look like and how it was supposed to read. I take thing after thing after thing out there. And, uh, and then as some of my friends came and were helping me move out, we put stuff into a truck, the truck's starting to go away. And then a trash truck comes around, a dumpster truck comes and it backs up and it gets really close to my dumpster. And I'm just standing there with my friend Brock and we're just looking and we're just watching. I'm like, okay, he's not getting the big giant dumpster. What's he doing? The man gets out, sweating like crazy in the hot side, but this guy's probably like six foot eight and 420 pounds. And he's just sweating like crazy in the hot summer sun. He just goes over, grabs my coffee table by one hand and just with fierce anger in his eyes, just smashes it into his dump truck. Then he goes back over, he grabs the picture. I'm like, oh no, not the picture. He grabs the picture. He lifts it up. He chucks it behind his head with force again. I mean, just smashes before my very eyes and I'm watching him tear my childhood apart. I didn't know that's what happened. And so I'm just standing there, just dumbfounded, just, no, 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 not the mountain picture, not the mountain picture. How am I gonna explain this to my parents? I mean, it was just crashing in front of me. Isn't it amazing how sometimes the things in our life that have been around for so long, the things that we think we have control over in our script, they crash and break right in front of us. The way that it's not supposed to go. And we are left feeling very weak. And we think I need someone strong to come in so I can be surrounded by strength so then I can become strong again. And I wonder if John the Baptist thought, I feel weak right now. I need a strong person to come into my life and to be surrounded by strength, to lift me back up in strength. But that was never the plan with Jesus. Maybe that's the script that we write, but that's not the script that God writes. Psalm chapter 22, it prophesies this about the one who is to come. It says, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They're killing me. John thought it was supposed to be a strong person coming to save him, to free him from the oppression and to be surrounded by strong people. And now he's starting to notice something about Jesus. Jesus looks really weak because he's always hanging out with weak people. Why? Jesus did not come in strength to cast judgment on you. Jesus comes in weakness to be merciful on us. Jesus doesn't come with a spear in his hand. He comes with a spear in his side so that he can be with the weak. It's not the script that we wrote. So what's got you feeling weak these days? What in your life has been a constant? What did you believe was going to go with you to the end of the script and now it feels like it's falling apart? So the big thing in my life that happened recently is my Uncle Joe, 
uh, I told you this last year, if you were part of Kairos last year, but here's some pictures of my Uncle Joe. He was uh, diagnosed with ALS um, in May of 2019. so like a year and a half ago-ish. A guy who's so full of life. A guy who's so giving, who's so caring, who's so loving. That's him with my mom in the top right corner and also in the top left corner when they're young. They grew up together, best friends. He's just got this coolness to him too. He was my, he was my cool uncle, you know. He, he, uh, he didn't have any kids of his own and so there's him with his nieces and nephews and the bottom left there and he treated us like his own children. Just loved us dearly every big event in our life. He lived in Chicago, and so every big event in our life, he'd call right after and be like, that was awesome. That was so cool. That was great. Anything that he could be at, if there was a chance he could be there, he'd show up. Every single one of those Christmas Eve services where I'm standing in front of people, and even when I'm in fifth grade wearing my shepherd boy costume, and I'm so proud of myself, and everybody's, you know, kind of like underwhelmed by my performance, and I'm just like, somebody's got to be impressed. Somebody's got to be impressed. Uncle Joey's like, man, that was awesome. So caring, so loving, always there, always a part of the story, always a part of the script. But then he gets diagnosed with ALS, a cruel degenerative disease that put one of the liveliest people I've ever met in my life into a wheelchair. You couldn't move anything. You must. And, uh, and, um, not yet. And uh, it just hurt really bad to see these things happen. Can you go back a slide? Thanks. It hurt really bad to see these things because it's this man who's so full of life and so full of love. Hurt. Life went off script. And it hurt really bad. How can I have faith when life hurts? Of all the things that my Uncle Joe blessed me with in his life, there was nothing greater than his faith. I don't want you to hear it from me. I want you to hear it from him. He'll talk, and then my mom will talk a little bit. But hear how he has faith, even when life hurts. You know, I just turned 51, and I've been able to do so many wonderful things that so many people haven't been able to do. Just blessed to do stuff. So I guess all the experiences I've been able to do because of God and all that just makes it that much easier. And I also had one of my friends ask me when this all happened, well, you must have a huge bucket list. <laughs> and I said, actually, I don't. And she couldn't believe it. But yeah, I'm completely, completely satisfied. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, would I like to live to 80 or 90? Sure, of course. But we don't make those, those calls. So you, you take what you get and um, you make the most of it. Stay positive. Keep plugging. You know, and, uh, yeah, that, that's what I would say in a nutshell. I go to the Psalms and I ask God in the Psalms, like, please, Please hear, you know, I'm praying for justice. Please hear my prayer. Please fix this. Um, and as I'm going through all that and as angry as I get with all that, I mean, even at a point where I had to say, God, please don't let me lose my faith over this because <laughs> it's just been some bad news over bad news over bad news. Um, 
And I, I, if you ever told me that I would have to pray for that, um, I would have been shocked, but I did have to pray for it. And of course, God, God answers and gives you that peace that you need. That just puts you at peace, knowing that it's all going to be okay. Because I would say, if it's not, even if it's not okay, it's going to be okay because of faith. Even if it's not okay. It's going to be okay. Because of faith. When John the Baptist is sitting, one, the one who's supposed to deliver me says, fix this. Hear me. Demonstrate justice. Make what is wrong right again. Jesus told John's followers to say all those things. Hey, tell them what you've seen. But then he also adds this. He says, by the way, John, God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Because who am I? I'm not the God who comes in and lives according to your script, the script that you wrote for today and the things that make you feel okay today. I am the God who wrote the script for all of eternity and I've entered the script and I haven't just made you okay for today, I make you okay for forever. John, don't forget this. John, don't stumble because of this. John, I've already won. John, you want justice. Well, I'm a judge, but I'm also merciful and I've come to bring mercy to all the world, John. All the world, John, and that includes you. And so right now, John, it's not okay, but it's gonna be okay because of your faith. Do you remember those prophecies in the book of Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 35 and Isaiah chapter 61, well, in the book of Isaiah, it says all these prophecies about judgment and John wants Jesus to show judgment. Come on, be a judge, make it right. Make it right. They're all prophecies about judgment, but here in Isaiah, in, in chapters 35 and, in, and also in chapter 61, the prophecy is not about judgment. This prophecy is about after judgment. This prophecy is about after the battle's already been won. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Excuse me, let's go forward two slides, I'm sorry. Go forward right there, that's perfect. Back one, my bad. For I, the Lord, love justice. Yes, he loves justice. I am a God of justice. I will faithfully reward my people. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Everyone will realize that there are people the Lord has blessed. That sounds like victory is already happening. And so Jesus is saying, John, don't you see, because these things are happening, don't you see, because I'm healing, because the blind see, because the deaf hear, because the mute talk, because the dead are living, because good news has been brought to the poor, I've already won. You're writing a script to get to the victory. I brought the victory to you. I have already won. Jesus is saying, I've already won, and he hasn't even gotten to the cross yet. Simply because God in human flesh puts his footprints on the earth in front of us, that is a footprint of victory. He's already won. So as he's hanging on the cross and they beat him black and blue, and it looks like he's lost. He can cry out from the cross, oh, it is finished. Because John, 
Joe, I've already won. It doesn't look like it, but I've won. Even in death, 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 I've won. I've had to keep on reminding myself of that. Even in death, I've won. Even in death, I've won. Even in death, I've won. Because on July 28th, my uncle did not beat ALS here on this earth, but he died. I was driving to a prayer event that we were having this summer for Hope Ames and my mom calls me, she, <laughs> she knew it was near the end and so she went out to be with him and she was with him to the end. And I think that this sums up who my uncle was because the last thing he ever said to my mom, perhaps the last thing he ever said, he said, Jesus is always with me. I'm going to die. Even though this hurts really bad. I have a God who's one step ahead of me in the script. And he's come down to this earth and I'm pinned to this wheelchair, but he was pinned to a cross and he knows everything I'm experiencing right now. And those tears that you're crying, God says, come on, flip to the end of the script with me. You flip to the end of your Bible, you see in Revelation chapter 21, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. I get done with that prayer event the night that I find out my uncle died. I mean, I was just out of it. Left early, drove home, longest drive of my life. I get into our parking lot, I come out. I've been asking God, God, you gotta show me something right now. Are you the one? Can you please show me something? Please just show me something. Five minutes past nothing, 10 minutes past nothing, 15 minutes past nothing, 30 minutes past nothing, an hour past nothing. Come on, God, if there's ever a time, come on, show me you're the one. I'm not okay right now. I get out of the car and in the middle of the parking lot, in the middle of the concrete parking lot, there's um, a white rose just lying on the ground. Say what you want, that's God talking to me. You know, a white rose is the symbol for new life. In the verse right after this one, it's promised, and the one sitting on the throne, the one sitting on the throne, the one who looked like he lost on the cross is sitting on the throne, look, making everything new. And then just a sentence later, he says, it is finished. How do you have faith when it hurts? You remember that it's finished. You remember that even when it looks like you've lost, Christ is a page ahead of you in the script saying, come on, turn it. I, I promise, turn the page. I've won. He's won. Let's stand. Let's sing about the one.